do we still want to try this? And we know we're more vulnerable. And, you know, what are we going to do? Should this happen? And not just, you know, well, we'll try again. But, you know, what are the possible impacts on how we respond to one another? This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss how couples deal with a miscarriage and all the emotions that go along with it and how to move forward. Stay tuned. The whole mission of Hitched is to help couples enjoy their marriage and live happily ever after. That's one of the reasons we have the Hitched Wine Club. We wanted to offer something that would be a reminder every month for couples to sit down, reconnect, and enjoy the company of one another. We have partnered with the fantastic Touring and Tasting who hand-select the wines that will be delivered to your door each month. You can go to our website, hitchedmag.com, click on the Wine Club link, and check out the different club options available to you. Again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link. Cheers! Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again with the brilliant, the lovely, the original <laughs> Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. I just want to say that that's why I keep doing these, because of that lovely introduction. <laughs> They're just going to get longer, too, because I, I just can't have you go away. Um, so Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, Today, Karen, we are going to talk about uh, being supportive of one another after a miscarriage. Uh, I know there are a lot of factors at play, uh, but I read on average 15 to 20 percent of verified pregnancies end in miscarriage. Uh, That means there are a lot of people who have gone through this emotional trauma. And I was actually shocked that we've We've never addressed this topic on the podcast, um, so I'm, I'm. It's a sad topic to discuss, but I'm I'm happy with that we're finally addressing it. So uh, to kick things off, what is something the husband can say or do to support the wife? Well, I think the most important thing that he should start with is validating or uh, letting her know that her sadness. Um, is valid, valid, valid. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to re- be repeating myself, but in other words, to be supportive of the fact that this, in fact, is a loss. Um, you know, there's just so much emotion <clears throat> involved in it, and the loss of the expected baby, the hopes, the dreams, it, it really is quite sad. And so, um, though many guys tend to want to just you know, brush it off and move on, any kind of problem that is, that would be absolutely um, disastrous. So instead to sort of hang in there uh, with the feelings and just say, I know that this feels terrible. You know, I'm not a woman. I'm not in your body. But emotionally, yes, this is really very sad for us, for you and for us. Um, And, you know... After doing that, 
then he can also let her know that he's sure it's not anything that is indicative of her doing anything wrong, that there's anything wrong with her that brought this on, and that, you know, when they're ready, they can try again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and and flipping that, what is something that the wife, because I feel like a lot of times the husband gets neglected in these scenarios. Yes. Uh, yeah. What's something the wife can say or do to support the husband? Well, I think that she can likewise say, you know, it's so interesting. In this day and age, couples will say we are pregnant. Now, that was not something that was said all the time. It was not a plural. It's my wife is pregnant. And it is very much a we kind of experience. I mean, clearly the woman is carrying the baby, but wonderfully, husbands now are very involved and really do see it as an experience that they're sharing. And so obviously, if there's a miscarriage, he's going to be experiencing the loss as well. And so I think that, you know, she can say, well, yes, it is my body. And yes, there are physical things that I'm now going to go through. But I know that this is a loss for you as well. Um, And you know, I'm here for you as much as you are here for me, and and we will get through this together. Mm-hmm. So I think you know that there's got to be an acknowledgement of his, um, you know, emotional pain as well. Yeah, uh, I I do know that we have talked about this this using of we in the past, which I have stated for the record, I do not agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the sentiment, and and I absolutely agree that it is a. Uh, collaborative effort that went on, uh, but she is the one that's pregnant. I, I just feel like language matters, and I know, as, I know you do. I, it just, you know, particularly in this world that we currently live in, where it seems like everything is getting gaslighted to where we don't know what to believe anymore. I just feel like mm-hmm. this is just throwing a, a a monkey wrench into the gears when we don't need to. She mm-hmm. she's pregnant, and he. Uh, was per- a participant in that endeavor, uh, and they are having a baby. Uh, anyways, I I will get off this soapbox, but <laughs> I just wanted to state that for the record again, uh, and and I and I don't want to diminish the uh, emotional uh, toll that something like this that we're talking about would would have on uh, the husband, and very much engaged. So. Right. And, and and to your point, whether you say, you know, that it's she that's pregnant or whether it's we that's pregnant, that does not diminish the fact that he has hopes and dreams as well. And a miscarriage certainly puts an end to those um, hopes and dreams. And so that can be supported regardless of which pronoun you use. Mm-hmm. And actually on that point too, I, I also feel like a lot of times, and this is not just in this type of a scenario, but a lot of times the people who act more engaged um, by by using uh, words like we or something doesn't mean that they are more emotionally engaged as somebody who is, you know, let's just say quiet or an introvert mm-hmm. and doesn't say much. Like they could be devastated by something sure. like this. So I sure. just wanted to point that out too, that I, that we recognize that. Um, okay. So assuming that this was a wanted pregnancy, uh, what can couples do to re-engage romantically? I personally am a big believer that when 
you talk about your feelings, when you're authentic, that that is a very big emotional connector. And so I think that if they can talk with each other openly about this experience um, and speak not only about um, their disappointment, about their fears um, going forward, um, about possible concerns that something might be wrong with them, uh, that that honesty and being able to hear your partner and really please excuse the cliche, be there for each other, that's, that is going to do a lot to help reconnect them and then re-engage romantically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, um, and yeah, that's great. So I, I also read that the likelihood of having a miscarriage a second time is less if you've had one before. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said, we know that some couples try and try and try, and Mother Nature is just not on their side. Mm-hmm. So how can a couple stay close and not start attacking each other when this is the scenario they find themselves in? Yeah, um, that's really unfortunate. Um, and I think that a lot of it is going to do with, again, continuing to talk with each other, gathering information. There are lots of reasons that people might have um, an additional miscarriage or might have trouble you know, getting pregnant, um, other than the fact that it's one of their faults. And I think that it's important um, to actually say to each other, um, as upsetting as this is, and we know that, you know, it's possible that in our upset, we might, you know, start saying things that are representative representative of our frustration. But we have to try to be careful not to do that. And if we see that we're starting to go down that rabbit hole, um, rather than the other person picking up the rope mm-hmm. and responding, you know, just sort of. Uh, calling it out gently and saying, I know you're frustrated, but I, you know, you're starting to attack or I'm feeling attacked. That would probably be a better way. Mm-hmm. And let's look at the feelings rather than blaming each other. Cause that certainly is not going to be helpful. If, um, if the couple has been tested and mm-hmm. you find out that it's one person isn't fertile or something, mm. Mm-hmm. Um, does that change this equation that you're talking about where the weight might be more on one person? At least that's how it's um, being levied. Yeah. Okay. So now, first of all, we've now we've now shifted a little bit into infertility as yeah. opposed to miscarriage, which I know I introduced. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to go there or do you want to stay with miscarriage? No, that's actually that's a good point. Let's let's stay on the focus of miscarriage because that okay. is a different thing, I believe. Okay. So, um, so again, um, you know, it's it's unlikely unless it, it's possible. I'm not educated enough, but it's unlikely that a miscarriage is due to um, something being wrong. Mm-hmm. And and again, our listeners can write in and educate us, um, but it's unlikely that it's because something is wrong with one of them. It may be some kind of 
circumstances. Um, but but regardless, even if it is, attacking one another is certainly not going to be helpful. And so again, I'm still going to go back to my other response and say, if that starts to happen, you as the mate have a choice. You can either uh, get grabbed by it and attack back, and that's only going to continue to spiral downward. Or you can just say to the person, look, I know you're really upset, but I'm feeling attacked and this isn't going to be helpful to us. Mm -hmm. So how about we talk about your feelings instead and, you know, work on this together? Yeah. I I was just going to add that I I mean – we do know of some factors, such as age, increases the likelihood of a miscarriage. Yes. Um, and yes. there are habits that you can have during pregnancy that could uh, exacerbate that. Um, and so in that regard, I kind of feel like the burden uh, and responsibility – and this is why this is why the we thing, I think, gets at me so much. Mm-hmm. Because so much of the responsibility, so much of the sacrifice falls on the mother. Um, mm-hmm. And – while he might be there for her and and spirit and support and everything else, um, there are just some things that she cannot do that he can uh, mm. without damaging or affecting the pregnancy. And so- That's a good point. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about that. And so to that point, I would say that if there are certain factors that you know make you more compromised, that those should probably be discussed before trying to get pregnant, Mm. that you know that you have a greater likelihood of miscarriage. And therefore, do we still want to try this? And we know we're more vulnerable. And, you know, what are we going to do? Should this happen? And not just, you know, well, we'll try again, but you know, what are the possible impacts on how we respond to one another and, you know, how we want to proceed? How many more times mm-hmm. would we try? And, um, you know, what are the possible consequences due to the potential risk factors mm-hmm. given, you know, what the circumstances for us are? Yeah, I I think, uh, like a lot of things we talk about, putting things into context and Mm -hmm. weighing the risks ahead of time will help uh, Mm -hmm. emotionally set you up for this stuff. And particularly because we know that people are having kids, babies, uh, much, much later in their life stages than they used Mm -hmm. to. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point to, to have that conversation beforehand of, you know, we know that we have a higher risk. Um, Are we going to try... And if so, if this doesn't go well, we have to expect that it's, there's a, a, a much greater likelihood that, that it won't mm-hmm. go well. Are we going to try again? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that you've – it's almost like we, we've talked about this in other scenarios where you, you sort of plan for worst-case scenarios. So when they hit, you have already done the hard work. So when you're feeling the trauma, you mm-hmm. can lean on your sober thoughts at those times. And yes, I feel like I, this is one I, of the scenarios. Yes, I I mean personally I always think that having some kind of upfront preparation work is easier than when you're in the thick of the emotion because then you're in the thick of the emotion and not only is it hard to sort out but you're not thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. So 
And that, uh, yeah, just you, you're pointing out that you're not thinking clearly. We know with neuroscience that we literally are not thinking clearly. Things yeah. in our brains shut down. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's a great, I mean, that just that use of word. And it's funny because we have said it historically, not thinking clearly um, as almost like a a euphemism for what's actually going on. Yeah. But we now know that it's, I mean, it's pretty literal. Like we just yeah. don't think clearly <laughs> yeah. uh, the neurons are not f- firing. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, m- just moving on here, if you had a difficult time getting pregnant and you finally have a child, is there any greater threat to the love that you typically shower in your spouse getting now transferred to the child? Because you recognize how, um, desired that child's life was and how difficult it was to bring into this world. Um, and in this process, your spouse is getting neglected and left behind. First, is I, that a, is that a threat? And if so, what can you do about that? Well, listen, first of all, I mean, again, that can be one of the things you talk about beforehand, but you know, is it a threat? I mean, I suppose it's possible. I don't know if it's any more possible than, um, you know, just a regular pregnancy where, you know, now, you know, we don't know what goes inside our other partner's mind. You know, maybe they've been wanting, waiting their entire life for a baby. Now, when they finally get the baby, you know, all of this love gets showered on the baby on either end. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's quite possible. And, and to me, the obvious but often not done way of handling it would be for the partner who is feeling left out to speak up and say that and to say that look it may not really be happening maybe this is in my imagination but this is what I'm feeling and for the partner that is being addressed whether they feel it's happening or not once it's been expressed to try to pay attention to it. Um, you know, if you feel like, well, I can't really help it, you know, I'm, I, I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. You're, you're kind of crazy. This is not going on. If that emotion, if that feeling or that sense that your partner is saying, I'm feeling neglected, you need to give your partner a little bit more attention mm-hmm. or n- not dismiss it uh, because once they've exposed that kind of vulnerable feeling to dismiss it would really be, you know, putting salt into the wound. Um, so is it possible? I suppose it's possible. I don't know whether it's more of a threat because, you know, now you've had it. I think it's equally possible that now that this baby that was so difficult to conceive has finally arrived and is fine, that you're both so gloriously happy with each other. I mean, I think that that's equally possible. Yeah. I mean, I was going to, I like to play devil's advocate and I like to throw out all the worst case scenarios or the troublesome scenarios, but Mm -hmm. you're right. Like the app, the opposite uh, case could also come true where you are both so overjoyed that this, you know, a lot of people talk about how you don't want to have a baby to help bond the couple because uh, right. it exacerbates things. But if you went into mm-hmm. this with love and it exacerbates that love, like this could be mm-hmm. an even more bonding experience. Of right. Like, oh, wow. Like we really went through some stuff and here we have this beautiful child. Uh, you know, the sun is shining bright outside. So 
uh, there is that opposite side of it. So I'm glad that you, <laughs> you bring that up because I do like to go with the, um, I like to be the contrarian a lot of the time. So, um, okay. So the big question, do you have anything else that you would like to add to this conversation? Um, the only other piece that I can think of is, you know, if this is not the first child, uh, but a second child, mm. uh, that is being, uh, conceived, then there's also the issue that you have to think about in terms of how you discuss this with the first child. And especially if there's a reaction about uh, loss, you want to not forget that there is still a child in the home and um, not I'm not saying don't have your feelings because I would never say something like that, but you don't want those feelings to overtake you so much that you forget about the other child who's in the house and not be available to him or her. Mm, That's a great point. And I'm I'm assuming this uh, varies with age and whatnot and how far along in the pregnancy and whatnot and how much information the the kid knows. Right. But there's also going to be the emotional toll that it takes on the kid and how the kid feels Mm-hmm. Um, because we know there's all sorts of emotions that go on with kids with a new child coming into right, the family. Right. So, uh, right. you know, so there's going to be a lot of work there too, I'm guessing. Right. 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 And by the way, since you've said that, let me also say that it is not unlike, um, a young child, let's say, you know, four or five children at that age are very egocentric. They truly believe that they are the center of the world and that things happen because of them. And it would also not be atypical for a child of that age, maybe even a little bit younger, to not want a sibling because, mm. you know, now it's competition. So they could actually um think to themselves, oh, I don't want a new baby because, you know, they're going to be competition. I don't know that they would think the word competition, but they might think I don't want somebody coming and taking my place. And then if something happens to the pregnancy, they might actually think that they caused it because of their thoughts. Uh, Um, So it would be important for the parents to tell that child, you know, this had absolutely nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just, you know, something that happens sometimes, um, that it is because of, you know, nature or we don't really know why it happens, but, you know, please know that, um, this had absolutely nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty powerful. I was even, when you started talking about it, I was also thinking about how devastating it might be to a parent if your kid then expresses joy about the 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 miscarriage because now that the competition that they were fearing is mm-hmm. not coming into this world yeah uh, and how as a parent you would have to react without losing it in that kind of a scenario which would also be extremely difficult yeah and so my answer to that i don't know if the kid would express it maybe they would but my answer to that would be you know i just want you to know that um i understand your feelings but i also want to tell you something else There is so much love that I have that no other child could take away my love for you. And I have so much love that I have enough for you and any other brother or sister that you would ever have. You don't ever have to worry that, you know, I wouldn't have enough love for you. Mm, That's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Thank you, Karen. That was uh, fantastic advice, as always. Um, And before we wrap it up this week, I do want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Uh, Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find this information at our website, hitchedmag.com, along with past podcasts, some some old articles. We have some new articles uh, we we publish every day. Um, And... um, yeah, and if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, uh, I, I do recommend uh, join, joining our newsletter. It's it's free, it goes out weekly, and it gives you an update of all the latest information. So if you haven't done so, please check that out. Um, so that's going to do it one last time. So thank you so much, Karen. You're very welcome, and thank you, Steve. My pleasure. And that's going to do it. So take care, everybody.